look, all this stuff exists, but it doesn't mean you have to use every one of them. But when you're first faced with, hey, all this stuff exists, you're like, oh my God, all this stuff exists. <laughs> Welcome to Discovering Design, a podcast featuring a different guest each episode, recounting the journey of their career prior to design, what sparked their interest in the creative arts, and how they pivoted to cement their career as a full-time designer. My guest for this episode is Case Franquillo, a former software sales representative and current product designer at Saver Life, where he's helping inspire, inform, and reward the millions of Americans who need help saving money. Case's interview reminded me of just how much bigger a product team really is. It's not just the product managers and the engineers, but it's also the support specialists and the business stakeholders and even the users themselves. In a time rife with divisiveness and spite, it was joyful to be reminded that we are always stronger together than we are apart. And with that, I'd like to introduce Case Ronquillo. I was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. It's about two hours south of Phoenix, so southwest um, desert. For me and my family, uh, I'm Mexican-American. My family came from New Mexico, but they had been living in Tucson for about 30 years. Uh, it was very, like, I would say, very like suburban life, but with the, the occasional, hey, there's a snake in the house, what should we do about it? <laughs> or, hey, there's a scorpion underneath the basketball rim. <laughs> I was very blessed with the type of parents I had. Um, they both worked at IBM their entire careers. Um, my dad's retired, my mom is still going strong there. What's funny is I never really understood what my parents did until I joined IBM. <laughs> um, but in their careers, they were always on the R&D side. Um, my dad was had more of a finance accounting background. If there was a certain product that was coming out, he had to look at the supply chain, look at the, okay, how much is this gonna cost to actually put out? I mean, my mom, she was more on the technical manager side. A lot of it had to do with project planning. I originally wanted to go into sports business, found a job with the Portland Trailblazers, uh, didn't quite work out. And then I, uh, of all places, when I was looking for another job, uh, it turned out to be IBM and they're hiring for uh, sales positions. One of the biggest things that attracted me to it was they really, they had like this uh, training program, like the six month long um, program that um, if you got in, they would help move you to different cities. So there's like six different cities and one of them was in San Francisco. One of the first things uh, that you got to do is you got to be comfortable with ambiguity. Uh, it's one of the very first things they tell you when you get into a company of that size. IBM sells a whole lot of different things between services, software, and hardware. And the IBM has been around for over a hundred years. <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of processes that you have to get to know too, um, and culture as well. If you leaned into it and really tried to understand, okay, what's the problem here? How did this come to be? Who's involved? Who else needs to be involved? Um, that really, that, that piece of it was something that I cultivated early on. And it, it, that type of skill set really helped me uh, thrive in a career at IBM. I had different positions at IBM in the four or five years I was there, and not I never had a teammate or a manager in the same city <laughs> as I lived in. So every manager, every team I was on was all remote. 
I needed mentorship. <laughs> I needed coaching. Um, there was no way I was going to handle and navigate this big beast of IBM and IBM sales culture and all these big clients that you work with if I don't get someone kind of showing me uh, the ropes. You know, at the end of the day, one thing, one thing only, quota. When I was finally given my set of accounts uh, in a different role, uh, an actual like, a direct selling role, I was very eager to start expressing my opinions of, okay, based on <laughs> X, Y, and Z, I think we should do uh, A, B, and C. The more you trust in your voice, you know, the more confidence you gain, even if you make some mistakes because there are you know, good people around you supporting you. Um, so you got to be, you know, comfortable enough to voice your opinion, voice your, what you think should be done and uh, follow up, uh, definitely follow up on it as well. You're flying a lot. Uh, so there's, so that's number one, that's pretty common. Um, where you're flying to, uh, that can vary in between all that travel you can be pulled into sales calls where you're talking to a client, you're discussing, you're discovering their uh, issues, what they're trying to work on, the context and stuff like that. So that's one type of call you could get in a given week that could be quickly followed by a support call. Uh, another client could be having an issue that you may or may not had anything to do with, <laughs> but either way, you're, you're the brand rep, you have this software, it's in your name and now it's on you to try to figure out the problem. I love the problems that were came across my plate. As weird and as kind of confounding as they might be, it's each one kind of did present a problem to be solved. Uh, and one of the good things about IBM is that you have so many different ways that you can solve it. And there's so many different resources. When it comes to sales, it would have equaled more travel <laughs> and it would have equaled more, you know, at the end of the day where you're, you know, being measured on quota, you can have, you know, successful salespeople, but 10, 15 years later, if they go through like, you know, a couple of years of bad quotas and different management and different structures, what have you. And all of a sudden you could be looking for another job. One of the best benefits of working with, you know, in that type of culture is you're working with so many different personalities and you're working and you have to understand how you can communicate and navigate across those different scenarios with those people. To solve a problem in sales, you know, the biggest tool that you have are your words to solve it. You know, you're doing a whole, like you're, you're talking, you're listening to the, the person, you're collaborating, but at the end of the day, you're using your words to help solve the problem. And then you go out and you collaborate with people to solve it. Um, and so that's in that skill set, I felt pretty strongly that IBM could, you know, obviously continue to bolster that skill. But at the end of the day, I did not come from a tech background. It was very hard for me to sell when I didn't really know the tech as much, which is why I always felt that my better skill set was in collaborating. I forget what the class was, but he shows a video talking about IDEO uh, reimagining. It's like a 60 minutes of video. They're talking about how they reimagine the, the shopping cart. And I thought the way they approached the problem, the way they solved it, and the way they prototyped and all that stuff was so fascinating to me. But it was my junior year. I was already had all these different experiences. This is, I was this far in my, you know, my getting my degree. Did I really... I never stopped to even consider 
wait, am I not doing the right career path? Like there's this new and exciting thing that seems like way more interesting to me. Like I never stopped myself to even think of that question or really, you know, have that, I wouldn't say midlife crisis, <laughs> but 20 year old crisis. <laughs> it felt so tangible, like how they went after the problem in a variety of ways. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, they're doing all these different methods, they're putting things up on the board, they're putting it together in this kind of weird shape, like grocery shopping cart. And they say, okay, well, you know, these things work, but this one doesn't. So let's, you know, so let's work on the things that don't. Um, but it was all focused around a single problem. So all of it felt very concrete and, you know, at times logical, at, at times experimental. I might butcher his last name, but it's this guy, Mike Monterio. I say that because I think when I first heard about him and read some of his material and, you know, watched the YouTube videos, you know, he talks about design being a job, you know, I think that's the title of one of his books. And for me, I was at IBM, I was in sales, maybe th year three, and I get a lot of what he was saying, because in order to solve a problem, you gotta be collaborative, you gotta at times stick your chin out, <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean you gotta be destructive, it doesn't mean you gotta be, you know, a jerk to people in order to get things done. But you do need to voice your opinion. You do need to be collaborative. You need you do need to put yourself out there because at the end of the day, if this is your work and you care about this stuff, then you need to be confident enough to stand up to it. You need to also be comfortable enough to take the criticism and work collaboratively. It's my four and a half year mark at IBM. And I was fortunate enough to get enough wins and sales to you know, help me with my savings so I could financially afford to take this risk and continue to take the risk for as long as it took me to find a job thereafter. The best advice I gave myself was, what do you want to do in this career? And how do you know this is the right career for you? Like, like are you going to do this? And five years later, you feel like you're like, you know, stuck in the same position. Like, how do you you know, Case from Keo really know that this is the right type of career for you, or are you just going to make another jump five years from now? The advice that I got from my parents way before I even made the jump was, hey, try maybe try to see if you can do something else within IBM before you do something else. But you know, over the next couple of years, I mean, they could see you know the you know how you know unhappy I was. They they knew what I was coming from because they lived through it many, many times within IBM and other IBMers that they had uh, throughout the 75 plus years of combined experience that they had at that company. So they knew and they they first encouraged me to, you know, stick through it. If you can find at least like another job within IBM to see if that gets you on a you know more like fulfilling career path. Um, and that happens, you know, as big of a company as IBM is, that can happen and, you know, and people can go on living, you know, fantastic careers that they love. Um, I think for me at the time, based on, you know, where I was, um, over time I, I did that, but it's still, I could see the writing on the wall that, you know what, in this new software world, this new position, I don't think I can be very successful. So I got very real with myself and I actually told my boss at the time about a month and a half before I left that I was gonna leave. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to burn any bridge. 
the way I had approached IBM with learning about tech was the same way I approached learning about design, which was, okay, let's, com let's learn about these different things. Let's break it down. One of the first books I read was the Don Norman's book, The Design of Everyday Things, which I thought was a great way to start <laughs> learning about design and try to break it down that way. So really I was, you know, emotionally I felt ready. Now that I'm here, I'm going to try and do everything I can more than ever before to succeed and learn as much as I can. Like take all those lessons, take all like who I am and go jump in, in into it with both feet because, um, you know, there's just podcasts I listen to where they, you know, they start their, they started their own thing and they, and they constantly quote what Kevin Smith, the film director uh, told them when they did this jump and they said, Kevin Smith told him, like, look, you're doing all these things. You're making your own, like, you're making your own life happen. Just remember to tell yourself you wanted this. <laughs> like, no matter what, no matter how bad things might get, no matter what struggle you might come across, just remember in those moments, hey, you wanted this. <laughs> like, you want, like, in my case, I wanted to leave IBM. I wanted to leave a salary position. Like, at the time when I left, I was still, like, I was I still had options to pursue other stuff within IBM, but I felt design was the right thing for me. Visual design, research, actual design, design patterns, you know, you go on and on. Um, there's so much to learn. And I think with that comes, okay, when you get a job in design, you're faced with the problem, how do you pick and choose what type of method you use to solve that problem? You know, you have this timeline, so like you're trying to balance these different needs. So I think the hardest part was taking in like all that information and trying to decipher, okay, when and where and why should we use this method to go after this problem in this certain way? How do I really know like when to use a drop down menu? It sounds very simple and elementary, but it's like, or when do I use a you know, a different type of menu. Well, why don't I use breadcrumbs? Why don't I use this type of navigation? And you can go into a rabbit hole <laughs> into all these different design patterns. Um, and so for me, you know, that continues to be, I wouldn't say a challenge, but it continues to be a, like more of a learning. Like, look, all this stuff exists, but it doesn't mean you have to use every one of them. But when you're first faced with, hey, all this stuff exists, you're like, oh my God, all this stuff exists. <laughs> the biggest pressure that you ever have is quota. Did you make it or not? And, and in a lot of cases, it's that zero sum. Living with that type of career, with that type of, you gotta make your quota or not, um, felt a whole lot more pressure because a lot of times there are a lot of things out of my control that can make the sale not happen. Whereas in design, you know, yes, there are deadlines. And I would say in this career path that I put myself on, yes, there's pressure, but you know what? you have like it's all within your control <laughs> like it's all like the meeting the deadline or you know making something like happen within it or pushing a design request later it is totally within your control um because you have all these different methods and it's the the thing is in front of you company was a consulting company they needed help specific graphic design help for storyboards now, I had never done graphic design, and nor am I a graphic designer, <laughs> but uh, through my network, I got this opportunity, you know, it was, it was part-time, and so it was, it was a paid, and it was experience, right? And so um, that was my first uh, quote-unquote paid experience as a designer, but specifically for this very specific need. Um, so... 
the thing that I learned was that a you know what uh, I, I did I did well enough for them to want to continue with me, but I knew that again I was not a graphic designer, nor did I want to continue down this path. So even though this I could continue you know with them, I, it actually solidified my my belief that you know what I need a if the opportunity arose. I want to be a end-to-end -end designer. Like I am very interested in the research part, you know, the prototyping part, all the way up to the front end part. I'm much happier. <laughs> I'll start off there. Um, I feel as if um, this 10 plus year journey of combining passion with work and going through these different hurdles of from sports into into IBM into design that you know I sure I could have gone down a different path I could have asked myself more questions but I have the skill set now because of that path I have the mindset now because of all these different things that I've been through I know on paper I I'm still have a lot to prove as a designer but you know imposter syndrome I I really I'll put it this way I I felt more as an imposter when I was in sales, <laughs> um, less so now. Um, but I think what help can help with that is, you know, you gotta keep learning. You gotta keep, you know, putting yourself out there in uncomfortable, you know, uncomfortable situations. There's the, the happy path, right? That's a very common term in, in the field. Well, for a lot of people in the design field, their happy path in their careers was not, did not follow that path at all. It's been very topsy-turvy um, or all over the place. Um, but even then, like if you have a, you know, if you have a curious mind and you wanna learn this stuff, um, go out and learn it. What's harder is how do you then discipline your mind to like, how do you, like it's the self-awareness of, you know, okay, I have all these different skill sets and design that it requires. Where do you think you're the weakest? and how do you address that and where do you think you're the strongest and how can you apply it? I think the skill set that I got with IBM and sales, it forces you to talk to people <laughs> um, and forces you to get out of your element. And I think I did find that I didn't really have, for whatever reason, like I don't think I had a, um, I didn't do myself justice and bring out my voice and what I could contribute at the Blazers. And I knew that going to the IBM and sales, I did not, I could not be that way. So I needed to find my professional voice. And during that process of working with all these different people and me voicing my opinion of what I think should be done, I found that and I leaned into it. For the next two years, I do see myself continuing to like grow these skill sets that I've been talking about and being like trying to understand where I can be a better designer. Um, I think a big part of that is, you know, we have all this data. How do I, when I'm looking at these different numbers, how do I apply that into design in order to make better informed design decisions? Interest is not a passion. <laughs> you know, the whole, you know, do what you're passionate about can lead you astray. You got to do what you're good at um, because there, because the joy of the work for what you're good at is going to come from that. It's going to require more of you. But you're all right. And now time to reflect.
Well, that wraps episode number seven. I want to thank Kaser and Q for sharing their journey and thank all of you for listening. Remember, always be curious and never give up on your dreams.